0: listening to Drawn to the Flame a podcast for aficionados of Arkham Horror the card game every fortnight or month or whenever we manage it we take a look at a trait like ally or weapon or spell or a particular card or cards or when we're up to it like today one investigator their likes dislikes and general proclivities joining me today is
1: uh, it's me Peter
0: hello Hello, how are you?
1: I'm very well, I'm very well, how are you? Yes, I'm well as well, I'm excited to jump in. Yeah, yeah, same here, we're going to dive deeply into a particular investigator today. So, just before we start, very briefly mention the spoiler policy, it's on the blog, if you want to know in detail what we're going to talk about, but today we're going to be mainly focusing on player cards, because we're talking about an investigator and their decks. Also, just a, a shout out to our friends over at the Mythos Busters podcast, they very kindly gave us a shout out on their latest podcast. I think Frank and I have both written articles for their blog as well. So there's multiple reasons to go and check check them out.
0: Yeah, we're big fans of what they do. And I think it's fair to say that listening to their podcast is what brought us together, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we met on, on their Discord server. If you've not yet checked out the Mythos Busters podcast, I really recommend it. They offer something quite different from
0: what we're doing And the conversation's always really interesting. So yeah, check it out. Okay, so this episode is an investigator-specific episode, and we're dragging ourselves way back through the mists of time to an investigator
1: in the corset. Peter, who is she? Why are we going to talk about her? This week we're talking about Diana Stanley. No, no, we're not, sorry. (laughs) We're talking about Agnes Baker, the waitress. So... First of all, we'll have a quick look at Agnes's cards, and then we'll start to talk more about her decks and how to play her. Great. Agnes Baker is uh, a waitress uh, and a sorcerer. Uh, her stats are heavily skewed towards willpower, so she has five willpower and then three agility. And then her intellect and her fight are both down at two. Which is
0: very interesting.
1: Yeah, she's got six health and eight sanity, and the sanity is key for her ability which is after one or more horror is placed on Agnes Baker, deal one damage to an enemy at your location. Limit once per phase. And then her Elder Sign effect gives her plus one for each horror uh, on Agnes Baker. Finally, her deck building, she's got the typical 30-card deck size we've seen in all the other investigators so far. And while she can use Mystic cards of any level, she can use Survivor cards up to level 2 and Neutral cards up to level 5. Okay, so she's one of these classic sort of
0: almost dual class investigators like all of the investigators in the core set
1: that's right yeah uh, and uh, the the combination of mystic and survivor indicates that while she's she's obviously got a magical background she's maybe a more of an unwilling participant in the mythos with the survivor class being in there as well yeah so her her backstory is she she's found an artifact i think in, in her loft and when she finds it, it, it brings back memories of a previous life in Hyperborea, which is the the world that Conan is set in. I think. Okay, wow, crossover. Yeah, so that that's a is it Robert E. Howard crossover. Yeah, and
0: this has given her mystic powers in this life. That just ties in really nicely with the fact that her subtitle is waitress, but her trait is sorcerer, which I just think is so. It's almost if you. I think I've I've convinced people to play Agnes before just by showing them that combination, where they go waitress. Who'd want to be a wait sorcerer? Mm. <laughs> and he sort of immediately changes your your view on her.
1: So she has a signature asset, which is the heirloom of Hyperborea, an artifact from another life. This is a three cost, and it's an item relic, and has a reaction after you play a spell card. Draw one card. The etchings on its surface change from day to day, shifting and moving whenever I'm not looking. I like the art here is her just wearing it around around the restaurant she works in as well. Yeah, it's her with her apron on and her sleeves rolled up. And then finally, her weakness is a spell, which is interesting. Is it the first event weakness or the only event weakness? I think so. Uh, I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. Certainly at the moment. I, I can't imagine they'll... They'll not do this again. But we've got a two-cost event, Dark Memory. It's a spell, and it has place one doom on the current agenda. This effect can cause the current agenda to advance. Forced. If Dark Memory is in your hand at the end of your turn, reveal it and take two horror. And the flavour text says, no, not again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we talked about Dark Memory on the spells episode, so we, we shouldn't talk about it in loads of detail here if you've not listened to the spells episode please go back and listen
1: a friend of mine had a, a just just briefly uh, a my friend of mine had a very an astute observation about dark memory so so we were playing we were playing Essex County Express with with three of us and i had and i think it was it was one of the earlier ones anyway it, 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 that doesn't matter when you play dark memory you lose three actions for each investigator so we had three players so playing dark memory lost 9 actions. In fact, 10 actions, because it costs an action to play as well. And when you consider how cl- like tight your actions often are, losing yeah. 10 actions feels horrendous. So yeah, my, my respect for it has dramatically increased after thinking of it like that.
0: It's a really powerful, horrid weakness card. The other thing I just wanted to note about it is it's also this reminder from the core set that these signature cards don't have to follow a particular type the fact that it's a it's an event it's almost behaving like a player card means it doesn't you know it doesn't have a revelation text it doesn't appear and suddenly do something the things that trouble agnes trouble her in different ways than the things that trouble roland or daisy walker or whoever else and i think that's really interesting just from the get go with this game that they have sort of different types and templates for what weaknesses can be it's really exciting
1: yeah, I, and the, the, I guess the other thing is interesting in Agnes is that you can use the forced aspect of it, reveal it and take two horror, to trigger Agnes's ability, and then also to draw a card with the heirloom. So there's a really nice little
0: little um, sort of synergy between the three cards. Not really synergy, a little yeah,
1: complementary. We'll, we'll, we'll call it them. a kind of wafer thin silver lining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. I'm glad you mentioned her triggered ability, because the other thing
0: that some people don't know or that you might forget starting out is that that little circle with an arrow, the reaction trigger, that's optional always. It's not a forced effect. So when you take the horror from Agnes, dealing the damage, you don't have to trigger that if you don't want to. If you know, for instance, that you have dark memory coming up in your hand and you're not going to play it, you know that you're going to do a damage later in the turn, as it is. Just a handy... Handy little detail.
1: Well, should we talk about her ability for a bit? Because it's one of the, I think, the most... The abilities that shapes your... How you play the character to a very large extent. Yeah, tell me more about it. Did, did that sentence make sense? It's one of the abilities that most shapes the character... How you play the character. <laughs> I, d- I don't know, it's still early in the morning. I've only had one cup of coffee. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so how, how she works... You, whenever... You put a horror on her, and it's specifically on Agnes, not on an asset or you know an ally or whatever. She deals an damage, damage to an enemy at your location. It's, it's it's fairly straightforward, but yeah, it's maybe deceptive in how powerful it is.
0: Yeah, there's two two things I jump on there. One is that the enemy doesn't have to be engaged with you, so it could be
1: no, no, that's right. With, yeah, with
0: another investigator or just exhausted at your location. Oh, or, even, even if it or aloof. Yeah, even if it's aloof, exactly.
1: If it's if it's just at your location, then then boom.
0: And then the other thing is that limit once per phase. Most investigator abilities are once per round.
1: The the once per phase does sometimes need some juggling and understanding of when the player windows are to make the best use of it. But it, what it does is it turns what is often a drawback, which is taking horror for something, into a positive, which is dealing damage. So this can apply when you're attacked. If you're attacked by something that... that deals horror it can work with cards spell cards are frequently balanced by having if you pull a special token the drawback is you take horror so blinding light and shriveling both deal horror to you and that becomes more powerful in the hands of blinding light doesn't blind oh so it's lose an action lose an action is it the upgraded blinding light does uh yes yeah that's right okay
0: so yeah Do um, do you want to say that again or do you want to leave in this correcting
1: yeah, let's leave it. and let's leave it in this bit where we're talking about correcting the correction. Okay. <laughs>
0: cool. And Ward of Protection as well. Cancel a revelation effect, then. Yes, of, of course,
1: yeah, Ward of Protection as well. So all these cards it's it's almost it's a drawback, but then it's not really a drawback, it's a it becomes bonus damage in the hands of Agnes. So her horror becomes a resource she's got or her sanity, sorry, she becomes a resource she's got. If she manages the horror coming in. Then she can deal automatic damage, and dealing automatic damage we've said it's powerful because it can hit anything at your location. it also doesn't re- require her to take a test yeah, so it's not you know you're not going into that chaos bag at all, so even a huge monster with a fight of seven or eight, I don't know how that would happen, but you know even in that situation, she's still dealing automatic damage to it yeah and the other thing
0: to add to that is no test also sort of implies no action and being able to deal damage actionless is very powerful as well. Yeah. You think about you think about Zoe's cross where you get to deal a damage when you engage an enemy. If you can engage that enemy just by drawing them off the encounter deck or by moving into their location or something that otherwise you're just doing what you'd normally be doing, you're not taking actions to engage them and then dealing them immediate damage that's really powerful and Agnes has has that in much more flexible way than than even Zoe with her cross. She just has it on tap from the get-go.
1: This ability then drives some of her early card choices, and the card I would pretty much always pick. In much the same way that, say, Old Book of Law is a Daisy card, I'd say Forbidden Knowledge is an Agnes card.
0: I 100% agree, yeah.
1: So that lets you turn, so it comes into play with four secrets on it, which then turn into resources in your pool. But at the same time, they deal you horror. So in the hands of Agnes, it becomes just a pinging device. So you, in any fast window, you can take off, or any player window, sorry, you can take off a secret and deal a damage to to an enemy. So, you know, rats appears, you can just just zap them. If uh, you need one more damage, you can just, you know... Ping the Forbidden Knowledge, and you get paid for it at the same time.
0: That's where it becomes really great. If you, if Forbidden Knowledge was available to other investigators, I mean, it's available to many, but even in our other current mystic, Jim Culver, justifying taking Forbidden Knowledge can be quite hard. I think he's got a sanity of seven, eight? One of I think he's two. eight. Is he he's eight and seven? seven. Yeah. He's, he's got seven health and eight sanity. That's right, Yeah. Even with it, so he's got the same sanity as Agnes, but taking four horror, so half of your sanity value for four resources doesn't seem worth it at all for him. But for Agnes, it it it's definitely worth it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And just actually, quickly connected to Forbidden Knowledge, I'll talk about one of my other favourite cards, which, as you know, I take any opportunity to talk about which is Fire Axe. Okay, yeah. There's a really nice synergy between having Forbidden Knowledge and Fire Axe. Now, Agnes has only got two fight, and Fire Axe offers you a way to boost her fight very high, even if it does cost resources. So so what I can do is, if I'm low on resources, I can pump them into my Fire Axe and attack for two damage, and yeah. then I can use Forbidden Knowledge to deal another damage and then to refill my pool. yeah. At which point I could say attack again with the Fire Axe or, you know, use the money for for whatever it is else I need. You know, maybe I'm playing a spell later that turn. Yeah, you, or you want that, that one resource in your
0: pool that's going to go up to two resources after upkeep. So that you can play a, a Ward of Protection or a, a Blinding Light later on or, you know, something like that. It's nice to have that flexibility.
1: With another resource that I can play Shriveling, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah you can start sort of setting up your board again. The thing that you you outline with Fire Axe that I think is so hard to capture in discussion but so important is it provides you with all of these choices as a player and all of the branching avenues of how you can deal with any particular enemy. And just having those options I think is good and I think elevates a, a, a reasonable deck to an excellent deck where if something goes wrong and you don't have your shriveling down or you don't have you know the evasion cards you want in hand to be able to work out how to deal with a three health enemy or a four health enemy and to know all of the different options for doing that efficiently is great it's what it, it's what makes playing the game enjoyable i think
1: yeah yeah I, i'd also say another card which can fill this role of forbidden knowledge now is painkillers yes so painkillers lets you turn damage into horror
0: yeah and it's paired with Smoking Pipe, which turns horror, horror into, into damage. damage. <laughs> of
1: course, yeah. Smoking hurts your lungs. Painkillers hurts your mind. And I, I guess, actually, this this does bring me on to yet another card that I really like in Agnes, which is Pete Sylvester. The big man on campus. Yeah, the big man on campus. Not regular old level 0 Pete, uh, Pete Sylvester, though. Level 2 Pete Sylvester. Level 2 survivor card, so Agnes can... Take it, which is great. Just about take him, yeah. We must have talked about Pete on our Allies episode, right back episode four. That must have been. Yep. Yeah. So Pete gives us—he's a great card anyway because he gives us two stat boosts for three resources, which takes her to six willpower and four agility, which people forget and is is pretty good. Really good. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone's. No one started with five agility yet, have they? No, no. So so she's as high as anyone with once Pete Sylvester's down and but his his other ability is, is the interesting one which is that he he heals a horror at the end of every each of your turns so if if you're taking horror in your turn what you really want to do is get the most use out of agnes's uh, sanity as possible so you really want her ability triggering seven times or more yeah if you can heal yourself so if you if you're taking horror after you've already dealt damage or before an enemy is in your location, you could put that straight on Pete. And he's a nice little bank for horror before you're ready to take it onto Agnes. And the levelled up big man on campus
0: has a sanity
1: of three, so he can
0: take two horror that he'll then heal over two turns gently, which is great as well. If If something goes wrong and you end up taking a bunch of horror that you can't deal damage with because you've already dealt damage taking horror, you can pile it all on Pete or decide how to how to divide it up, again, you get this gameplay choice. You've got the
1: option to to gauge the scenario in front of you and play accordingly. It definitely takes the sting out of dark memory as well, because every turn you can just be dripping another horror. If it's, if it's dealing you two horror every turn, if you don't want to play it just now, one of those horror can go on to Pete. So yep. the other one can trigger Agnes' ability. Yeah, or, or if there's no enemies at your location, you could take two horror
0: and put it on Pete, and he then heals one. And then the following turn, you end up with an enemy and you still got Dark Memory in your hand. And so that turn, you take two horror and put one on Pete and one on you and get the damage. And Pete's effectively taken three horror for you and, and kept Dark Memory in your hand for two turns until you're at a better place where you feel comfortable playing it or whatever it is. So really powerful is this sort of safety valve, isn't
1: he? So what else do we use Agnes for? So she can she can use spells. So shriveling is the really obvious one. So she's able yeah. to fight once she's got a shriveling down, which of course is no mean feat. Finding a shriveling. Yeah, you can only run two in your deck. Yeah, I I've taken to running fire axe because I I love fire axe and it's extra damage. So she. Yeah, just... so
0: that sounds like you're going down the route of Agnes as damage dealer. Yes. Which I think is a very reasonable role to take. I think when you look at the mystic card pool, you can get a little bit carried away with all the different things that mystic cards, particularly spells, can do and want to build Agnes the generalist who can do everything using those willpower replacement facts to use her willpower instead of other, resort, uh, other statistics. But I think your suggestion of Agnes the glass cannon raging sorceress is a really powerful one. So what else do you put in that deck
1: with a Fire Axe and with Shriveling? Well, to begin with, I do want some clue support there because if if you're not immediately faced with an enemy, then you're, you're a bit stuck. I normally go for four clue cards. I know some people run more. If you're running a very cluey scenario, you might want to run more. The one, I guess, is a bit controversial is right of Seeking. I don't really like running that in Agnes because I tend to run Agnes quite poor. I only, yeah. at, at the most, I'm I'm probably on three resources, getting ready to play a Shriveling or, or, or Pete Sylvester. I try and keep everything else I'm playing quite low in cost because I want to use that fire axe.
0: Yeah, and you want to use the resources on that.
1: Climbing up the hill to get four for a right of seeking is, is a big ask. I don't have emergency cash in either. Okay, interesting. You're relying on forbidden knowledge then. Yeah, and... and any the, bonus resource generation. Exactly, and and the drip generation... You know, turn by turn. Yeah, you raise
0: a good point that a guardian. We talk about guardian cards being expensive cards. They have expensive allies. The weapons can be expensive in guardian. But once you have a machete down, you're more or less set. You're going to be using that, barring some particular circumstances in particular scenarios. That's your weapon done. But with the spell cards, playing one shriveling doesn't necessarily mean you're set for the rest of the game because it has a limited number of charges. And mystic decks can end up being quite expensive if you're maybe going to play two shrivelings or also going to play a blinding light or also want to play a fire axe and put resources into it. All of these these costs actually add up and Agnes can run pretty expensive and that's where right of seeking then becomes a difficult inclusion because it's four to, to play and going to only get you six clues maximum. So basically, I agree. I agree with you, even though it's spell traited Yeah, I yeah. Think it's a it's a tough one to include.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I tend to go for Drawn to the Flame, which heard it's is, a great podcast. It is a great a great podcast. i uh, drawn to the flame again. Good because it doesn't. We don't need a test to get the clues. Yeah. Although I would say it's quite likely the encounter card you draw will make you do a test. Yeah. Hopefully it's just a rats or something you can kill by taking some horror. Yeah. But but the advantage, of course, of Draught up the Flame is that it can pull clues off high shroud or locked locations uh, and ignores additional costs for investigating as well or failing investigate checks, which we've yeah. seen throughout the Dumbwich Legacy so far.
0: Yeah. It can be really tricky to get clues. It's not... A straightforward thing of just sitting in a location and going test intellect test intellect okay grid i've cleared that location
1: yeah it's sometimes bad things happen if you fail to test intellect or you you need extra actions to be doing that those investigate yeah. checks yeah. and then i'll chuck in to look what i found as well i think look what i found in general is a great card it's got two intellect icons as well which is uh, i don't have that many intellect icons i think in general in yeah. the deck um, oh no, I do actually. When I look, I look at my typical Agnes build. But yeah, it, again, she's got a low, She's got an intellect of two, so it means you can automatically find two two clues uh, at a at a two shroud location, and you have a fairly good shot at even finding two clues on a three shroud location as well. Yeah, playing on standard difficulty.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly. There was something actually that I wanted to mention right back when you first read her investigator card, which is that she has an intellect of two and a combat of two. And the two things that we end up doing in most scenarios in this game are investigating and probably fighting. There are a lot of scenarios that have some kind of big enemy that you're going to have to deal with in some way, normally involving your fists. So that's the the other thing that's so striking about Agnes when you sit down to play her, is apart from Wendy with a combat of one... She's as low as can be in terms of those two statistics, and that means you have to be using tricks or replacement effects to use her effectively. If you try to play her like any other investigator, you're going to come up
1: short. So, should we talk a little bit about uh, managing her sanity? Because we 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 can't we can't get too low. <laughs> yeah, you've mentioned Pete Sylvester. Yeah. Fearless as well. I I generally like. Sometimes it it often does nothing, but sometimes it crops up at exactly the right time. So that's
0: a skill. It's got one willpower icon. But if the test is successful, you heal a horror. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think there is a good chance we'll get an upgraded fearless in this cycle somewhere. Yeah.
0: If it's anything like the upgraded deduction, it would yeah. be two willpower icons. Heal a horror if successful. Heal a... An additional horror if successful by two,
1: yes. Which would be, I think that would be really good. Very powerful, yeah. It gives you more use out of her ability, and her ability is is just fantastic. It it, it would be good if
0: we see that. It's um, fearless is actually a different trait from deduction, so there's a possibility that we wouldn't see the innate traited skills having um, higher XP variance in exactly the same template as deduction has I can't remember its trait though. Uh practiced, is that right?
1: Yeah, I think it's practised. Yeah. And then the, the leveled up
0: one is practised and expert. So it might it might be that they they level up differently. But um I mean if it levels up the same way and there's a level two version, I think that would be a really powerful card. And because the other the other thing about Agnes is because so many of your tests you want to be willpower tests, the more willpower icons you can have in your deck, the better,
1: really. Yes, exactly, yeah. The Mystic class really wants to convert other tests into willpower tests. So they have a high willpower, and then they use that willpower to do everything. So, Yeah. And it's the statistic
0: that, I think it's the statistic that that you will test no matter who you're playing and no matter what you do. Because at some point there'll be an encounter card that gets you to test willpower. Even if you build an amazing evasion deck, you're still going
1: to take willpower tests at some point. Yeah, exactly. So, so we'll talk briefly about upgrades as well, I guess. Yeah. We've already mentioned Pete Sylvester, who I think should be a priority for an Agnes deck. Yeah. I would also look to take a Grotesque Statue fairly quickly. This grotesque Statue, I think, is a great card, and we're not necessarily using many hand slots in Agnes.
0: No, your Fire Axe is, is a sort of the only option, really, that we've mentioned so far.
1: And it really lets you just nail skill tests as well i mean if if you're also if you're looking for a special icon to trigger the horror effect on a on a
0: yeah definitely you want to have that selectivity when you don't need an icon anymore because you've already done your horror your your horror damage that phase then you can also select
1: So, so one of the other things i'd be curious to try in agnes is song of the dead Possibly mm, taking over yeah. the over the the place of Fire Axe. I mean, one of the reasons I've got Fire Axe in there is for odd damage and to save shriveling charges for the things that yes. I really want to shrivel. Uh, so Song of the Dead has got five charges on it, so it's much more reliable. If you've got two in there, that's the whole ten charges of Song of the Dead.
0: Yeah, it's only two to play as well. We've already talked about how spells can be expensive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, once you've got Grotesque Statue in as well, you know, you've got a bit more of a chance to to pull that skull to deal the extra damage, which could be really nice. So it's yep. something I'm I'm curious about, curious enough to want to experiment. Um, although I do love fire axe, so I'll probably leave that till a bit later. Well, and let's
0: let's face it, Agnes, I think is spoiled for choice for experience options now that there's also upgraded shriveling, which is three experience, and you've got some of the dead. There are two evasion spells that are upgraded versions, and there's grotesque statue, and there's upgraded lucky. You know, there's there's so many options for her. It's really tricky.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there must be someone at FFG who really likes mystics because I, I, there's there's a lot of directions for her to go when she levels up. And in fact, there's there's probably quite a bit of flexibility in how you put it together as well. Yeah, I think you could. Uh, my my deck is certainly a more of a damage oriented. Agnes deck which works better in multiplayer but I think you could very reasonably put together a more solo focused Agnes deck who's more flexible. I also think with her her ability and then some of the cards of the mystic class she's well suited to working on higher difficulties as well.
0: Yeah that Tesla's damage very very useful indeed. You mentioned solo obviously I play solo more than you do and I've played Agnes solo quite a lot and one of the particular challenges about building an Agnes solo deck is investigating and that conundrum of right of seeking drawn to the flame look what I found and flashlight because her hands are free sometimes she wants to use the flashlight working out how many of those cards you take what's the right time to play them you know what are the locations that are worth using drawn to the flame on which aren't all of that is really tricky and all of that can get in the way of also the the meat of the deck being a really powerful damage-dealing deck. And one of the worst feelings is when you know that you don't really need to investigate anymore and you want to draw into Shriveling or Fire Axe or whatever else it is, and the next card you draw is a Rite of Seeking, and then the card after that is a Flashlight, and you're thinking, why have I put so many investigating cards in this solo deck? And I, I wish I had a you know way of drawing through this deck more quickly...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's about everything. I mean, the the, the question, the final question that, that I've noted down is what we particularly enjoy about about the investigators we talk about. Yeah. Agnes is one of my favorite investigators. The first one I really gave a lot of thought to putting a deck together for. And I guess I said on the Zoe podcast, I really appreciated the direct nature of Zoe. I like how she's, she's guided and you can build her to be really good at that, that thing she does. With Agnes, I quite like that she can turn what's a disadvantage, which is that Mystic cards and Encounter cards deal horror, and turn that into an advantage. that feels feels very powerful, and I like that aspect of doing something bad to yourself to have a positive effect.
0: What her effect conjures up is really that evocative space between the Mystic card pool and the Survivor card pool. She's really... You know she's got to, she's got to be taking the hits to be able to, to kind of come back from that adversity and do the damage. I think that's it. Really captures part of the nature of the survivor class, which is all about success through adversity and making the most of a bad situation. And she's one of the people that really embodies that by making the most of a bad situation by munching people's brains as they drive her slowly crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: Have we said everything we want to say?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm. I think that, that's me on Agnes, really. Great. I mean, I'm sure we could probably talk for another half an hour or so. We've, there's a few things we haven't touched on, but can leave some things for people to discover themselves. Great.
0: So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Facebook. We're Drawn to the Flame podcast on there. You can find us on Twitter. We're Drawn to the Flame podcast. You can email us, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. And my mind's gone blank about other things that we should... Do we need to say us as well?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Self, self-pimp. self
0: Peter, where can people find you if they want to talk to you?
1: Uh, I'm everywhere as United, which is U-N-I-T-L-E-D. So I'm on the, the Mythos Busters Discord. I'm on Reddit. I run the card of the day thread on Reddit. Um on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's a very good thread. And yeah, I'm on Twitter and yeah just drop me a message on anywhere you see me and you can
0: find me on Twitter I'm FB which is EPH underscore BEE and I'm also on that Discord channel I'm sometimes on the FFG forums as Zooey Glass I think I have Silas Marsh as my avatar can you imagine when he becomes an investigator in this game it'd be so good and yeah similarly say hello if you want to we welcome your feedback thank you very much for listening
1: thank you